welcome to our very first episode of Take Note. Starting us off on this insightful journey is my friend, Australian actress and comedian, Yasmin Kasim. I first met Yaz two years ago at a friend's party in LA where we bonded over our love of lingering around the food table. Nothing's changed. This Australian-born mixed-race beauty has had some incredible experiences over the course of her career, starting off in Michael Jackson's history tour when she was six, starring in Aussie soap opera Neighbours, the feature film Jungle alongside Daniel Radcliffe, and now has taken the comedy world by storm in LA by being the first Australian to book CBS 2019 Diversity Comedy Showcase. And now performing stand-up around LA, including the prestigious Laugh Factory and Comedy Store. Yaz is here to be open and candid with us about how she's navigated one of the most competitive industries in the world, entertainment thus far. Yaz is one of the most hardworking, talented and passionate humans you'll ever meet, and you'll soon hear why. Take part in the conversation and take note. Welcome, Yaz! Hey girl, I'm good. I appreciate you being here today. It's my dream. It's you, me, and my dog. This is all I need in my life. <laughs> this is all we need in this life. It's true. Um, so you have to tell everyone how we met. It's all you want in a story. It has characters, the setting, the plot, conflict, resolution. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. We have a great meeting story. I don't know how to say it in a way that's good. <laughs> um, so we had a mutual friend who will remain unnamed, who dated a pastor's son at a church that will remain unnamed, I guess. And um, and she was having a potluck. Is that what we call it? We bring, yeah, a potluck. Yeah, which and is the best invention for dinner party. Yeah. I love it. Whoever made that happen is a genius so yeah I went to this potluck alone to come and support her in this community and um yeah well, she introduced me to you as the other Australian there and we very quickly bonded over eating all of the food I think we made like five rounds to the table I think we didn't leave I mean I don't remember really going very far from <laughs> the table to be quite honest um but yeah and then there was a cute boy that we also bonded over. Naturally, we gravitated towards that as well. Yeah, the there was like one really cute, cute boy, and then a lot of food. So it was the makings of a perfect friendship. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, we just became friends, right? Like I can't remember. We just started doing everything together. Exactly. That's what's the beautiful thing about LA is that you know no one, and then all of a sudden you know someone, and they're instantly in your life. And then they're infused yeah. in every aspect. So you're going to the gym together. You're eating together. You're going to the movies. Like. Yeah, it was very true. I remember my whole life changed after I met you because I ended up having that group of like Australian model girlfriends, you know, which I'd, I'd never had before. Um, and it was really nice. You guys really inspired me in so many ways. We kind of had our own little fan going on, didn't we? Remember we used to hike all the time? We did. And I was scared I was going to get too brown because I tanned so recently. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've been surfing like how long now and you were the darkest I've ever seen you. See, I've grown so much spiritually since I met you. Now I'm like, to get brown I don't care you've got a different agenda now yeah let me live you know we should start hiking again yeah I actually haven't taken monkey hiking yet monkey's my dog that's in the studio currently and he 
tiny and he's perfect and he's just staring at both of us intensely. He's like, where's my headphones? <laughs> where's my microphone? I oh, got a story to tell. I see you. I see you. He dressed up for the occasion. He's wearing a handkerchief. I know. I mean, that's the pitfalls of a podcast because you no one can see. <laughs> no one can see what's going on. We could be naked and you never know. Yeah, we could be naked. We could be we could naked. Be. <laughs> We're not because yeah, we would never. Because this is not our house. This is this not is our not. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, <laughs> follow up two point oh. The guys like I'm gonna have to clean those chairs. <laughs> <laughs> You love it. Um, so let's start this podcast off by getting all the compliments out of the way. Oh my Usually goodness. stunning, creative, and funny. Chelsea. But let's talk about your background, where you're from, what was your childhood mm-hmm. like? Well, even though I was born in Perth, I did grow up in Malaysia. So my mom is like a down south girl from Western Australia, and my dad is from Singapore, but he had business in Malaysia. So I grew up my first nine years in a third world country, like living as an expat, which is like a very different way to to grow up and my mom when I was nine was like I just don't want Yasmin to live like that um it's just not it's not real life you know yeah you're exposed to like so many different elements my like myself um went to an international school mm-hmm. as an expatriate as well yeah and so um you're exposed to a lot of things and you're withheld from a lot of things as well where were you in international school um Papua New Guinea oh right yeah so you know exactly what it's like exactly yeah and so it's not the real world experience like you can't walk around freely or do your own thing you're in someone else's neighborhood and community and Mm -hmm. yeah it's not on your own terms which must have been the way your mom felt yeah and she was like no I want my daughter to be able to ride a bike and go to the beach you know like she's a real Aussie girl and so yeah we moved back when I was nine and it was good to have that experience you know I had so many life experiences that I think a lot of people haven't had from growing up in a place like that but yeah I'm glad that I had the Australian experience think you end up more of like a grounded human being and like Australia is such a great place to grow up you know it's like the best of both worlds yeah exactly but I do think like living in a you know like a Muslim third world country it does open your mind a lot more I think because you you're around people that are from all different cultures and all different backgrounds and everyone's really accepting of one another because everyone's in this like foreign place you know what I mean and did you feel sheltered at all or that you were withheld from certain experiences like what probably a little bit because of safety mm-hmm. like safety in Malaysia is a real thing um but you know when I got to Australia I very quickly acclimatized you know I think I was like grade three or four and um yeah I very quickly acclimatized amazing <laughs> and so um your parents moved to Australia you're in grade three or four wait am I in grade three or four if you're nine what grade is that oh goodness I might have gotten it wrong yeah well you're nine years let's just say whatever you're nine years old I remember being in junior school (laughs) (laughs) um and so you quickly adapted made friends of course because that's the type of person you are you're very sociable Mm -hmm. um and then let's start let's take us back to the beginning of, of it all now you're fresh out of high school you're repping a country road bag wearing a Camilla caftan you're quite impressionable and full of ambition what do 
direction did you decide to go? What guided you? Like, what was your inspiration for, like, what you wanted to do after school? I have, I have a constant struggle that I think I've only really dealt with now in my later 20s um, of being both worlds. So being, like, my dad's Asian part and then being my mum's white part. And I think any mixed-race kid does struggle with this. You know, I grew up in a family where my parents really didn't agree on anything. Um, like, my mum is very, like, hippie. She owned a health food store. She's, like, you know, a farm girl. And my dad is, you know, he's from Singapore and he's of a different culture and things like that. Um, so, for me, I was it was hard because I was like, oh, do I go and do something that I don't want to do, like law, just because I got the grades? And that's what, like, Asian kids do. That's, like, the right thing, you know what I mean? Like, all my cousins and stuff were lawyers or doctors. Or do I follow my heart? And I remember talking to my parents about it and I got into WAPA for um, opera singing because that's I just had, naturally was good at opera singing and um, they were like no no like you have to go to a top 100 university and if you do that we'll support your acting or your musical theatre or whatever you want to do after that and I think they thought that after three years I, I would get over it but get it out of your system <laughs> yeah <laughs> connect with the real world and join the community yeah and I kind of found a loophole through it all where I did a Bachelor of Arts degree at a top 100 university. I went to the University of Western Australia, but I did all the music units and all the theatre units and, like, Shakespeare and history and Greek mythology and, I mean, the marimba. Like, I literally did every artsy-fartsy thing you could do and I ended up having this really creative degree and, um, like, straight off the back of that, I went to New York and studied for six months at Lee Strasberg because I wanted to study the method and then during university, I ended up kind of falling out of the private school crowd that I had grown up in and I got a job at a fairy store like I remember it was like days after I finished school like I was still 17. This is so fitting for Yaz. I know I was a fairy for a long time um giving out wishes and doing parties and stuff like that and then that kind of led me to a very theatrical community with so I ended up in this theater troupe that went to Italy during our university break and we did street theater for four months and um, um, that's when I started becoming a vegetarian and like it was just so eye-opening to me you know because I did grow up in this like kind of golden triangle of Perth with all these like private schools and I knew that something was missing for me like some kind of heart and I never felt like I fitted in and when I found this community I was like oh, yeah this is this is where I belong these are my people these are my people and it's you know? so bizarre because growing up in Australia we have this binge drinking culture and party lifestyle so you mm. kind of gone like complete opposite direction like you've Tidal gone opposite. over to Europe instead of doing a Kentucky tour and drinking in every city possible mm -hmm. you've actually I was like meditating on like the beaches of Rome like I truly was just so in it I can't even tell you and uh, straight off that I booked Fat Cat and Friends which is like a Channel 7 I think you guys on the East Coast have Humphrey Bear love Humphrey yeah Bear. so it basically Fat Cat's Humphrey Bear. So I was Fat Cat's best friend for the years through uni as well. So yeah, we used yeah. to do, mm -hmm, so we used to do like a live show, um, travel to different schools and shopping centers and stuff. And then we would also do filmed segments during telethon. And it was like singing and dancing and acting. And um, then I just realized I really liked earning money. 
So um, I decided to get my speech and drama teaching diploma because I was only like two grades off it. And so I did that and I started teaching uh, at St Hilda's, which was my school in Australia, in Perth. And uh, so I used to teach after school drama. So I had three jobs the whole time I was in uni, um, which is like crazy to think about. But it's just... I, just I mean, the hustle has started at such a young age and continued on. It's like never amazing. stopped. Yeah. And I feel like all the jobs you've had have kind of honored your personality yeah so many ways all the you know, fairies like dressing, or actresses um, yeah yeah bringing joy to people's lives also yeah. teaching people and using yeah theory um I got a lot of joy out of it, you know, because a lot of speech and drama, when you're teaching, like I taught from grade two all the way to grade like 10, 11 and um, like after school drama. And a lot of it is like public speaking and improvisation and, um, you know, just getting them really into their bodies. And it was just such a rewarding job, you know, because as a girl that went to a private girls' school, I certainly felt really stifled creatively. It's so so daunting and it's awful. You're meant to come into the person that you are. Yeah, yeah you, you can't. to fit in at the same time. So mm-hmm. there's no room to grow creative, like creatively speaking. Yeah. You just have to like conform to what is expected and mm-hmm. not make any noise and just get through the school year. So yeah. um, I'm really impressed that you kind of you got to enable all these kids to like pursue something that was you know where they can get to be where they get to be silly and loud and. Oh, it's you. I <laughs> something under the desk, and I was like, is that my dog? But it's just you, and we can play footsies. Stop playing um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it was very rewarding. And then also while I was there, I was involved with this group that I had an uncle who was Down syndrome, so I used to go and, like, sing at his home, like, every couple of weeks, and then I would sing at my grandma's, like, old people's home every couple of weeks. And I had this um, class that I would go and assist at, which was for, like, anyone with mental disabilities. And it was, like, truly the most rewarding thing I've ever done like once I'm kind of have a name for myself here where I, and I have the money to I would love to be running classes like that again it's just here there's such an insurance it, I mean it's like a whole other thing you know I'm um, running something like that in oh America. you need to give up your first form essentially yeah your it's, very hard. <laughs> it's very hard but it's amazing to see how you know acting and song and dance can influence young girls but also how it can influence anyone who like has some kind of mental disability um it's like so calming for them and um they're just so happy and yeah it's just a it's like a therapy you know it's beautiful so acting for you has come full circle essentially like you've started to teach at such a young age Mm. um and now or when you want to um and when you're happy to step into it you'd love to teach again yeah i like love helping people with i mean i just love every aspect of acting you know like sometimes I'm like oh I'd make a great agent you know like every aspect of acting but I think when something is so hard to achieve and it's so competitive you do have to focus like in Australia I was getting paid really good money at one point to do hosting and I was hosting for various networks and it was great you know and I had meetings at very big companies but there was a moment where I was like no I don't think 
this is for me. I don't think people are going to take me seriously if I do this. And there is the odd exception, you know, like there are people that have gone from hosting to acting, but they truly are the odd exception. And for me, I just decided to really focus on acting and try and get people to take me seriously in that respect. I mean, that's great to have that goal established so early on because the entertainment industry goes into so many different realms and everyone needs to hustle so they're tapping into like all these different avenues Um, so that's amazing that you knew what you wanted to do it's hard to give up because it's kind of validating like as a human you know like having jobs coming your way and whatever like being employed is validating right which is something for an actor yeah so I'm like oh I'm hosting this show for thousands of dollars but at the same time that's not what I want to be doing and so I had to really look deep inside myself and it's still something that I struggle with you know it's very hard not to match your self-worth with your employment <laughs> it's, oh, it's your very difficult and definitely influence how you feel about yourself exactly so if you yeah. don't earn the dollars then essentially you are worth nothing which is definitely not true but in our yeah. heads um, it's really hard you know that way I see a lot of my friends struggle with it here and I definitely it's something that I'm actively working on but at that point of my life I was very clear about it and I was like no I could be a famous presenter in a year you know what I mean like I knew it was going to come faster because I was just naturally really good at it and and I was getting more traction than acting but I just knew in my heart I just wouldn't be happy even if I was more validated with these little thingy things going (laughs) validated Um, because in the end like validation feeds the ego and the ego is nothing it doesn't matter you know yeah and it sounds like you would have been in the same situation inevitably like if you got into presenting you would have been unfulfilled and then gone back into acting so I feel like you've just taken like a more concise longer route to acting yeah and making sure that you're getting you're doing it the way you want to do it yeah there's like no right answer that's something I've learned along the way too there is no right decision right thing you're supposed to do ever I just see so many different people landing or not landing jobs that are all doing different things so I don't think there's like one equation like whatever happens happens you just have to trust it's like the right thing for you and yeah there's a huge misconception with acting in terms of like the steps that you need to take Mm. in order to become successful um book your first pilot tour with a company um what else is there now there's like youtube channel yeah there's a million different ways there's just so many different ways you know um but it's like you because you're unemployed like the unemployment rate is so high you know um and even yeah you can throw a brick out the window and hit an actor everyone's an actor you know so I think like my and I've done like panels before like in Australia with kids and like kids and parents of schools and just about what it's like coming over to America and being an actor and I always say you really really have to love it and that sounds like such a cliche but you have to love driving 40 minutes to the studio and then you know bringing your heels in your bag and learning your script overnight sent to you at 11 p.m and then getting in the room and them saying we only want to see one page like it's all annoying but you really have to just like learn to love it because that's what your life is going to be like 
if you're lucky. I mean, if you're not going to cope with it now, how are you going to cope with it? That's what life looks like, truly. Even my friends here that are, like, famous, that's what their life looks like. And people think they're still working just because they've done it. It's not and like it's very that. glamorous and structured. No, you can do a show and never things. work again. It's, you know? There's, there's no a ticking time clock, isn't there? Yeah. And I think you have to just have other things that you enjoy and constantly be creating. Like, that's why I'm so glad I've been writing so much here and that's getting traction because for me like writing is is truly therapeutic as well and I'm really glad that I have a knack for it you know and you're now so I great at it as well I've read some thank of you. your pieces and you can tell that you have a tone you're very strong in your delivery and you know where the story's going and you have your personality in it too thank you yeah. and you know sometimes when people like I mean I've had some very young friends very young friends make it really fast like truly they get one audition here and they're like oh my god I'm nominated for a teen choice award you know like Same. truly it, like it, there's no equation but at the end of the day like whenever I have friends that are like I'm getting older and it's so stressful I'm like I wouldn't have the comedic POV that I have if it wasn't for the journey that I've had so I'm grateful for all these experiences that I've had when I was younger I think I wasn't as three-dimensional as I am now and I was so afraid to be imperfect which is where my real actress comes out my good actress is Yasmin being really imperfect and embracing all of my flaws and my stuff that I haven't sorted out yet in therapy and that's where my I'm 40 yet so yeah. <laughs> like all of my even my, my drama and my comedy comes from that really raw you know kind of prickly place which I mean you have I mean I look at someone like Billie Eilish and I'm like wow that girl is just not afraid to just be so raw and herself and that's what makes a true artist and I think some people discover it really young like she has and some people grow into it like I have and I'm just grateful that I found it eventually yeah you know? everyone has their own timelines and yeah I think that's when the comparisons come in and kind of warps everyone's mind it's the last thing you should be doing 100% and so in terms of acting what would be a regular day for you you were mentioning before that you know you have scripts coming through at 11 p.m you mm -hmm. are going to auditions across town mm -hmm. you've got all your stuff in the back of your car getting ready for the next one um describe to us yeah what a typical week might be for you um acting in LA well on the days like that you're not on set working um it can be meetings which can be multiple in a day those meetings can be with one person at a cafe or they can be with 10 suited men in a boardroom it's always different um auditions come in seasons usually and they say that the seasons are molding into one another at this point but i do feel the wave i'm definitely during pilot season and then episodic which is about to start really soon i really feel it then where you can have like four or five in one day and then on top of that you have commercial auditions like I do voiceover stuff then you have voiceover auditions so there are some days where you might just have one thing and there are some days where you might have like eight and then on top of that you're doing your skills your classes you're working wherever you work um like uh like usually it's like out of theater you know or wherever 
um, and keeping yourself fit and healthy and having a life, which is something people I think forget to do when they come here. <laughs> I, I'm picturing this meme in my head where it's do all these things and it's like a continuous list and then it's like, but also remember to drink water and work out and like, oh yes, who is this human? I like when I have an audition that's like before 12 or at 12, I don't work out. I just find it way too stressful. I'll take my dog for a walk. I prefer to work out after auditions. Um, I just, I don't know. It's also a hair thing. Like my hair takes so long. Oh I never God. get to audition for the girl that doesn't have good hair. Like my character is <laughs> always like perfectly poised. And so for me on my end, that takes a lot of time. So yeah. They don't even know. They don't even know. I'm like, I can't wait till I'm on the job and you, people are just paid to fix this for me. My hair is just a whole other beast in itself. But um, yeah, I think having a life is also really important and creating, you know, I have multiple projects on the go right now. Some are in different phases than others. Some I'm still in the idea and kind of writing and structure phase. Some are already taking, you know, meetings at various different platforms and networks. It's like you have to keep yourself busy with things like that and not entertain try not to entertain any negative thoughts that come in your head yeah because the work is so inconsistent and the hours so one mm -hmm. week you could be doing 40 hours and the next week you, you don't even have anything so you literally have to go with the flow and it's like you're professional at being last minute <laughs> yeah as an actor you kind of have to be professional being last minute I always make a plan because it helps my anxiety but 99% of the time that plan is thrown out the window yeah you know like I'll plan all my workouts for the week and I'll plan my classes and stuff but it probably won't happen you know like I'll get and I'm really lucky like diversity is very much a thing right now and I kind of I have been here for two years so you know casting like to bring me in because I know them and so like I do find myself being really busy a lot and uh, that's really amazing it's great but it also means that it's just a lot of that dragging yourself to studios and you know learning scripts and then learning different scripts and then testing with a bunch of people and then going home and forgetting about it <laughs> you know like it's just you you really have to learn to just let go otherwise it's just it's all gonna get too much you know and like trust I really exercise trust a lot the process just trust the process I always told myself I remember even when I moved from Perth to Sydney I was like oh if I ever become one of those actors who like mopes around Surrey Hills with my head down about how awful acting is I'm gonna quit and like just be a yoga instructor <laughs> you know which I was <laughs> but I still a backup plan I mean I yeah it's still a backup plan I loved teaching yoga in Bondi but at the same time I'm like there are a million other jobs that you can do and you only have one life so if you pick acting and this is what you want to be doing just try and find so much joy in the process that you know that it is it's not going to change this is what it is like I know people that have had five seasons of a show that are like oh my god I don't have an audition this week it really like nothing is for certain and so you just have to really plan yourself around that yeah and you need to build that strong foundation so when those inconsistent times mm -hmm. present themselves mm -hmm. um, you can face them from yeah 
a hundred percent. And like having real friends and real things outside of the industry that you love to do and real passion, things that you're passionate about, like causes in the world that you're passionate about and things that you're writing that you're passionate about, stories that you want to tell because they're not being told and you think the world needs them. Like that's what the industry is all about right now. Everyone wants to hear the untold stories and we all have one. So it's just about really digging deep and finding the time to write it and share it. So I think we can all learn from one another. And um, writing these stories that you've um, created and produced, have you had like a mentor or have you had classes to facilitate this? Um, so for me, like improv, they call improv like writing in your head as you go. So I go to Groundlings and UCB and I actually do think it's helped my writing a lot. And then being a part of like the CBS showcase where I was working with literally some of the greatest writers in the country, I feel like I really have um, uh, just really help refine those skills at how to tell your story in a really concise way and especially my comedic voice has sharpened a lot in terms of what I want to say and how do I say it on in a certain amount of pages. I do have like a comedy mentor who was a teacher of mine at the Groundlings and him and I just have a very similar comedy POV and like when I started really writing and releasing musical parodies like for Fem, he co-wrote two of those with me. He actually directed one. He directed Nothing Compares to Hugh and um, yeah it's nice to have someone that like he's been in the game nine years I've been in the game too so it's nice to have someone that's been doing it a little longer that I respect so much because you know you, you it, it's I mean it's kind of an obvious thing to say but sometimes the most talented people aren't the ones that are on the shows so like when I'm looking for a mentor or a coach I'm not looking for the person that's booked the thing the person that booked the thing is clearly good but they probably were also the same the right height and the right hair color and the right look and the right whatever right resume for me when I look for a mentor or a coach it's just about how much I respect their work in the moment you know yeah so whenever I ask people for guidance or to read my scripts or to have like a little like riffing session on ideas or on my writing or even as an actress like if I want to coach an audition or something I rarely coach with anyone that has worked on a series or you know like it's usually just the people that I think are really really good and has that taken you a while to find yeah those grounding people yeah that have substance that mm -hmm. aligns with you yeah, because LA, like, I see it a lot with, like, young actresses that come here. They kind of Google acting coach, and they end up spending hundreds and hundreds of, I mean, what people charge for classes here is totally mad. <laughs> it's crazy. No wonder people are, yeah, becoming acting coaches. Yeah, it's a real industry, yeah. you know, whereas you don't realize that um, you can really gain a lot of a lot of knowledge and a lot of different ideas from the right person and it's all about your POV and the kind of like actor you are like finding someone that can work with you on that if that makes sorry if that makes sense um, it's not about one acting coach just because they coached Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't mean they're the coach for you exactly so you won't, you know? you're not necessarily going to get the same um, results yeah well, I mean maybe I think a lot you of will have that pressure yeah as um, if I follow this 
recipe for success, I will get the same results, which I don't think you can go into it like that. No, there really is no... It's like, you know, you look at some any show in Australia, right? And people are like, oh, if you go on that show, you're going to make it in LA. And it's like, mm-mm. I'm still waiting, honey. <laughs> <laughs> like, there are... Well, I mean, I didn't even do three years, but, like, you know, people that come off soap operas, I think everyone thinks they're going to make it in LA. And it's like, it's not a guarantee. <laughs> It's really not. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an amazing experience, but not everyone that's been on a soap opera for a really long time in Australia makes it in LA. There are definitely a bunch of people that that have. There's also a bunch of people working at gyms or working and serving you coffee you you know you just like don't realize it um yeah there's no surefire way honestly like you can build yourself up with experience and doing things and whatever but it's it's the nature of the industry so I just choose to enjoy the ride enjoy my dog enjoy my friends and create you know um and literally what you were just saying that it's the nature of the industry um for an industry where networking and saying yes to opportunities can lead to success, how has the power of no benefited you? I reverse. have only learned the power of no very recently. I think it's getting older, you know, like I don't want to go to every party, even if maybe there's a chance some person will be there. Like my most valuable connections have come from like the supermarket or like in a car park. Like I've never made a very valuable connection at any of these bougie things that I've been invited to that I drag myself out of my house and like try and look cute and put lashes on and then talk to all these vacuous people in the hopes of something happening. Like truly anyone that has gotten me a meeting at a studio or a meeting at a whatever has just I've met randomly and that's why I truly believe like it's just an energetic thing like you don't need to go to these things if someone invites you to the Oscars party like yeah you should probably go you know yeah, I hear they have great food so yeah, yeah I'm sure they have a phenomenal food table Bradley Cooper might be there so go don't mind but in LA it's like Monday to Sunday there's something on and I just think that for me working on myself as a person like I don't think I've booked more since I I've booked more stuff since I stopped trying to do all that kind of stuff all the mixing and mingling and I don't know sometimes it can be kind of anxiety triggering too like especially when they're Australian things sometimes I feel this sense of community and sometimes I feel this random sense of like oh what are you doing what are you doing and it's it's weird you know undertone of competitiveness so no one's being genuine or it's like being sometimes yeah being I don't know if anyone would you. say that out loud but like I've definitely had conversations with Australians I feel like it yeah. does feel really nice to support your Australians and stuff but sometimes it does make you it's sometimes there is a weird energy because everyone's in panic mode mm-hmm. like why am I not getting auditions why is she getting auditions you know so um yeah I I really only go to things when like I truly feel vibe wise that I want to go. I mean, I'm a real hermit, so I have to force myself to go, but... I mean, I've dragged you out of the house on multiple occasions, too. Yeah, I mean, you're probably my only one of my only people that I leave the house for. But I just... I don't know. I think that things come to you the way they're supposed to come to you. Like, I love that. You know, like, truly my most valuable meetings, like, meetings that have gotten me... Connections that have gotten me into, like, the heads of studio meetings, where it's like, we need to... You need to meet this girl. Have come from me waiting at the valet to get my car 
or me at the Whole Foods picking a pineapple. Like, <laughs> honestly. I dedicate my Oscar to the to pineapple. the pineapple that brought me and this guy together that introduced me to the person that made my career. Um, but honestly, I, I do think, but you have to be smart about it, obviously. If there's something like the Oscar, if there's something, yeah. then you should go. But, like, especially when it's, like, celebrities' houses and stuff. Like, I mean, I've done all of that. Um, and it, it's kind of uncomfortable and weird. And, like, I'm not a Victoria's Secret model. Like, Stop it's... It. No, but you know what I mean? Like, it's it's weird, right? Like, I just, I just don't feel like everyone's there for, like, genuine reasons. They're definitely not there for a good time. They're there to find, like, a husband or an opportunity and I just feel awkward so I'd rather like go to the dog park go to the beach and have the opportunities come to me through performing at UCB or I mean that's such that's a natural way for it to come into fruition 100% I actually met someone out in the surf the other day that's like a really big producer someone was talking to me and he's like oh you've got to meet so and so and he was like down the line and I was like oh hello and he's like this huge producer and I was like that's how I like to meet people but I know, mean that's a great story yeah that's incredible met out in the back of the surf yeah um, shackers yeah shackers mate but you know like as I said there is truly no answer there's no right answer to anything it's all so it's all so different and I think that's what's so special about LA is that you can be anywhere or doing anything and something like this happens like an opportunity comes your way or you meet someone really special or yeah yeah it's like you do not have to be in these bougie corporate um restricted high class situations i think if you are and you're in this like energy vortex of like abundance and attracting the right things then yeah i remember when i first moved here and i didn't really know anyone it was like my first week because it's been two years now hasn't it's it? been two years and uh someone that knew somebody was a manager at like a some jazz bar or something and he was like oh will you come and i was like yeah okay by myself to some gig so i went by myself to some random thing that's what you do when you first come here you're kind of like okay and um and he took me out like to the back artist area and there was a piano and he and then I just started playing the piano and singing and he was like I thought you were an actress I didn't know you could sing and I was like I think most actresses can kind of like hold a tune you know we can like hold a tune or whatever usually you dabble in multiple arts and we go out to like watch the show and this guy walks up to me he's like you who are you and I was like, oh, hello, I'm Yasmin from Australia. Hey. And uh, he was like, who is she? Like, to the guy. And he was like, dude, like, this is so-and-so's friend. And, like, I actually just met her. You should hear her sing. Like, she just did this thing. Da, 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 da. And he was like, "You make sure you send me her stuff. I want to talk to you. You've got something about you. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God. Hey. Hi. Uh, what was your name? And he was like, I'm Randy Jackson. And then just, like, walked off. And I was like, huh? And, like, Come again? Yeah. And, like, I actually never contacted him. I never did anything with it. it. But, like, those things that happen, I do think happen when you're just kind of in the energy vortex. It's not about being at the place because I could be at the place and nothing could happen. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's about, like, being in your flow. So that's what I work on so that when the opportunities do come my way, the good things happen you know like you can't just be in the right place 
Oh, 100%. Definitely. And what type of sacrifices have you made along the journey that people wouldn't assume? Because from everyone's highlight reels on social media and from what has been previous experience for others, LA is this beautiful tropical oasis where success is just easy to come by and I've learned the hard way and you've learned the hard way that's anything but this. Yeah, it's so competitive. Yes. I mean, I do think LA is a tropical place of abundance for both of us and I still believe that or I would go back to Bondi, you know, but um, I think that there does come a lot of sacrifice and I do believe that the universe rewards sacrifice and rewards bravery and it may not be like the day that you do something brave but I really do think it comes it, it comes you know like it can't not when you energetically give things up and that really mean a lot to you truly for something greater um, and for something that you really want I do think that it it comes back to you in a very real way um, I mean oh god what haven't I sacrificed do you know what I mean it's like skin health <laughs> wealth just Let's list everything it. like yes. coming here and setting yourself up your finances being far away from family being far away from extended family like grandparents and cousins and cousins with babies and you know the years pass you by and like your parents um it, it's so it is so much coming you do miss out on a lot especially oh, on the social front of like huge weddings your friends oh, having my babies. friends having babies yeah just, um the general parties yes yeah just like the FOMO has never been so real moving overseas. Truly. And, like, you miss out on, like, really big life events. And, like, you know, I had a grandfather. My grandfather passed away. And, like, there's just, like, a bunch of stuff that I was like, oh, is this worth it? Yeah. You live once, you know? But this is what I want to do and I don't want to do anything else so I'm kind of like you have to choose the positive and you have to believe that everything is going to come better than you're even imagining it when you're ready mm-hmm. you know um, but in terms of sacrifice I think love life too is like a very obvious one for anyone that lives in LA yeah don't they say that there's always four candles lit at one um, and only two can- there's four candles mm. and there's two candles that are lit so there's love life there's health there's wealth oh, and there's career okay. so you have to like choose I don't know if I've named them in the I feel right like categories. I'm health and career right now well that's a great place to be yeah like right on this very moment on this day the abundance is health and career I feel there's definitely no love life <laughs> not Let's even in the very far LA. distance that is just uh, like a podcast episode in itself. Well, I mean, that was probably, it was like another big sacrifice was I had someone break up with me because I was moving over here, you know, like who I was very much in love with at the time. So like, I mean, ugh, the sacrifices, are, I mean, you can go on forever about them to be quite honest. Um, it's really hard here to date. I don't know how people do it. I tried for a very hot minute. Um, I don't. I just don't anymore, to be honest. I think it's the exact same process with your acting career that what 
you put out into the universe is what you'll get back. So it's all about timing. So yeah, that's what I'm preaching. I don't know. I really agree with that, you know. Yeah. And I just think like when I'm at my happiest and I'm like, I, I listen to a lot of Abraham Hicks and like the law of attraction and the vortex and things like that. And, um, I talk a lot about like, be the person that you want to attract into your life. And I kind of love that, you know, like instead of being like negative and rare, it's like, no, expecting so much and expecting so much. Like I'm just going to be in this like alignment of going surfing with my girlfriends and going to like work out with my friends and going to meditation and cooking myself a really yummy dinner and spending time in the dog park telling my dog what a bloody miracle he is and how much I love him and like blessings he is a blessing you know like just I think that those kinds of things are just going to attract eventually Mm -hmm. this person that's going to walk into my life and I've listened to so much manifesting books that I don't know if I'm like brainwashed or if it's just clicked for me (laughs) but I'm genuinely like oh no he's on his way the dream job that's going to buy me my house here is on its way like I just believe that wholeheartedly it's happening I really do and like there are days where I'm like I don't believe and then I'm like oh my god girl get it together it's definitely not going to come if you're like that that's like an alter ego what should we call her the bad days that you have the bad days oh my god what should she be my mom used to call it the little black dog on your shoulder, but now I have a little black dog that's <laughs> on my shoulder. So. And he's a blessing now, so we need to, and like... he's a blessing. Revamp that. I just think it's just, like, your loser voice. Like, your voice that... Janelle or something. Yeah, something like, she's like just that Debbie girl. Downer, yeah. That girl that, like, you're like, oh, she's coming... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Oh, and when it grabs when it has so much momentum, it just goes with it. So you have to stop it in its path straight yeah. away and shake yourself out of it because it's not helping anyone. No, and you know what? Only like, Janelle. It's only helping Janelle. A lot of like so I do a lot of like coaching and stuff like that. And I, my clients are you like younger, like teenage girls and stuff. And the way that I describe it to them, and it sounds kind of corny, but I'm like, oh, that doesn't look cute. And that's how I describe it. So I'll be like, don't be jealous of her. That's not you think you look cute when you're jealous Mm -mm. and that's how I simplify it because it's like no you don't look cute when you're being negative and when you're not believing and when you're not super positive about this life you get to live and the things you're passionate about and inspiring other people and loving people so hard and coming up with new ideas and I just think that is so attractive and being jealous and being negative does make you look less pretty to me and that's how I describe it to them because sometimes they just like don't get it you can't talk energy fields and stuff with like young people and so I'm like oh that's not cute that's not a good color on you it's like how I describe it and they totally get it they're like oh no I love that and then we don't like frown lines either because yeah that's not cute that's not cute either yeah a smile just makes you look so much better and like fresh air makes you look better and eating healthy and you know going down to the ocean and hanging out with your friends and laughing and I think anyone who even if you don't work in the creative field like you know that buzz that feeling you get when you get an idea Mm -hmm. and it's like I'm in this like creative vortex of like creating and it's invincible that feeling isn't it you can do anything and what you're working on is is gonna produce that level of excitement and yeah and that's like a feeling that I truly like I just try and get on the regular you know even like when I wake up in the morning and I'm like saying
saying mantras and it's like feeling inspired by yourself and by life is like there's no other way to go through it and like there are days where I'm like crying eating chocolate cake and I take my moment and then I like come back to fix your crown fix your crown put it back on give her a little shine and be like you know you really only do live once mm-hmm. and one of um and a moment for you in 2018 that was really big for you and mm-hmm. created so much happiness and was also equally as challenging was mm-hmm. the CBS diversity showcase yeah so you were the first Australian to ever book the showcase it's true I know tell me about how much joy and hard work I mean put into it I worked so hard to get into that showcase and I don't think a lot of Australians know what that is but it's been really nice in the comedy community here Mm -hmm. to be like you're kind of recognized I guess like once you've done that like I walk around UCB or Groundlings and people are like oh I watched that thing you know it's like it's it's really lovely because I never even knew that I could do comedy and it was this showcase that gave me the confidence I found out about it um, in 2017 because I tested for a series at CBS, a comedy, and they called my manager and they were like, oh, she didn't book it. Testing is like when it's down to like you and someone else or maybe three people. Okay. For those that don't know. And um, like producer tested and um, and he was like, oh, she didn't get it, but we think she's really funny. It was for this sitcom. Can she come and audition for the showcase? And my manager was like, here's the audition for the showcase. And I was like, what is this? Like you have to write all your own material and it's like four minutes of your own characters and it's five characters minimum. Like I was like, this is crazy. I've never done this before. And um, I gave it a red hot go. How many takes did you make? You could, oh, you go in the room and you do it for them live. Oh, wow. So basically, if you've ever watched an SNL audition online, like on YouTube, it's exactly that. So you're like, this is my Mindy Kaling in The Handmaid's Tale. And then you go, and you do it. And then you're like, this is my Princess Charlesman doing this. Or this is whatever it might be. This is my grandma. This is whatever. And you just put on a scarf or you just change your face. You turn around and there you are. And they told me I was really good and to come back. And there was something inside me that was like, God, this is like nothing I've ever done before but I think I need this like I want this and I watched every single showcase I could find online I went to the groundlings and worked my butt off on characters and really trying to get my comedy into a really good place and groundlings um, is a school right yeah it's an improv school and theater which groundlings and UCB are kind of like the two main kind of comedy places where anyone on comedy shows on TV usually they're like they've come from there yeah so I go to both and I just I just worked really really hard and I had I think I had three callbacks in three weeks wow and they wanted like different characters and I was just writing a bunch and just trying to be what they wanted me to be but also was myself and eventually I booked it and I truly like cried so hard I remember my manager was called me and I was um I think I was in Santa Monica or something by myself and he was like put Elsa down and I was like where are you and he was like oh sorry my daughter's having a like a frozen party and I was like okay what's up like he doesn't call me unless I like book something or like something is serious and um Classic. he was like oh my god you book CBS that's great I've never had anyone book that before that's so cool and I was like oh awesome um but it 
was unlike anything I could have imagined it to be. Like, honestly, it was four and a half months of writing every single day. They auditioned, I think, four to six thousand, I think six thousand people over the country, and they picked 20. And what ten, a confidence booster. Yeah, 10 girls and 10 guys. And um, basically, you just write sketches, like, almost every day, and then you submit them, and then you perform them for the, for the execs every single week. And then eventually they pick their favourites at the end of the four months, and they put on a show at a theatre, which is a 500-person theatre, and we do, I think, it's six shows in a week. And they invite every single industry person, and it's just their way of being like, this is who we've found this year. And, like, I remember on our first day sitting there and someone was like a touring stand-up comic and two other people were like main stage no three people were main stage from second city which is like a really big deal to be a main stager at second city it's like kind of famous and i was like hello and i remember they were like let's do this i'm so psyched to be here i was there with like my ariana half up half down and like being like hey and just like did not fit in at all and um, I remember when they introduced us like one of the CBS execs come in, came in and she was like hello everyone I wanted to congratulate you on being the 20 funniest people in America and like started clapping and I was like what? Did you get the wrong Yasmin? Like this is crazy. Am I that good? Yeah I was like I didn't even know why did no one tell me? My dad jokes are landing. Yeah apparently my puns are a thing so yeah it truly it was like a very it was a very challenging experience because you're working with people that I mean I probably had the least amount of comedy experience than anyone there but I guess the CBS team believed in what I had to offer which made me believe in myself and I had an Australian sketch in the show which was huge like I don't know if they've ever had like a sketch that's been anyone that's not American I mean my experience with being in LA and in America everyone loves Australians they they hear our accent and they're like don't change yeah they it was like made me Australian. Change. I was like, I want people to cast me in American stuff. Um, You're trying to break away from that. Yeah. <laughs> of what you are. Yeah. An experiment. And then you're back to Australia. You can't escape Australia, babe. Well, something that I definitely learned through that, because I had an inc- we had an incredible team of a creative team, you know, that have done so much, including the CBS execs that guide us. Um, we had an incredible director and, um, and assistant director and head writer and who we ran everything by. It was amazing. And um, something that I, I learned over the course of writing so much content, like we did 54 sketches a week, you know, for that amount of time. It's a lot to write. And um, I guess I realized that when you lean into your differences, that is what makes you a powerful performer and I don't think I ever knew that before you know like they were like oh my god stay Australian oh you did a pageant we're gonna put that in and like the sketch was like me being like a Miss Wex Miss World person like everything which you were what, what, what might I add which they inspired yeah, was inspired by real life and like it's all stuff that I like try and hide all the time and they were like no we love that about you you know like I do like to like look cute and wear tie-dye and like have my boobs out and like I feel pretty you know like that's how I am and um I sometimes as an actor I like try and like oh, I'm very serious take on and, different personas yeah, yeah. And, 
and they were like, nope. And I remember them telling me, because I was like crying one day about something. I was just like, I feel like I don't fit in and I'm not good enough. It's just and a classic Wednesday in LA sometimes. Yeah, I just having a cry. I'm just having a cry being like, am I good enough? Is this a mistake? Did you guys mean to call me? And um, they were like, I remember them saying, so I have a character that plays the ukulele. And they were like, that day that you were like, okay, like, bye guys. It's so nice to see you. And I was in like a little crop top and harem pants and my hair was in like a half up half down Ariana and I was walking out and I opened the door and I whacked my ukulele into the door accidentally I was like oh shit fuck oh sorry I'm so sorry so everyone like oh bye oh, and like totally thought I'd messed everything up and they were like that was the best That's like that was the moment yeah. yeah and I was like oh just being me is not gonna make everyone like me but it's gonna make the people that really matter see me who's looking for a me type because no one else can be me like there's no other like a Indian Australian funny girl who's like done a soap opera and a pageant here like who also does stand up and call like there, there is there isn't like <laughs> I'm sorry that role is filled by Yasmin Kasim truly no like where are they I would welcome them with open arms but I don't think there is another one and so it's like you know embracing the things that you're really good at and your own personality has been the best thing because like in Australia I remember like I went to an event and I had I think it was like a manager or a publicist I can't remember tell me like okay so we put you in the black dress and we don't want you showing your boobs and if you could just like be a little bit more mysterious like smile less and I'm like sorry no. and I was like smile less like I don't know how to do that like I, I get I mean I would love to have made it in the Australian film industry and whatever but like I, I it obviously wasn't meant to be for me back then you know like I'm not that girl that's like mysterious and like has bushy eyebrows and like I'm just not that you know I'm me and I didn't know how to be anything else but that and so I'm so glad that I finally found my little niche here that seems to be bringing me like the most success I've ever had and you're comfortable you know? leaning into that funny pretty girl character I love it you know like at the same time like I'm still auditioning for superheroes on the reg because I can fight and drama and things yeah, like can. that yeah she can fight so I, I still audition for all those roles and I still like train and acting doing like drama and stuff like I always make sure all of my skills are getting oiled regularly and they're ready to go um remember that sims game where you had to make your sims character um learn in different aspects oh and they had skills. like yeah. the bars knowledge yeah they had the bars above them and you had to like practice their knowledge and their piano and their artistics yeah God, skills sims that. just like soaked up a really solid chunk of my I think it was like 2007 to 2009 maybe or even earlier actually I can't remember it was before or after MSN live chat but both of those things were a big part Great of my times. what was your MSN name Yazzie D Yazzie Drama Queen. That's cute. Oh, Drama Queen. Okay, that's where the cute but psycho comes through. The cute but, yeah, I think it was my brand. It was coming through even on Cute but psycho. I remember that was the first time anyone called me a curry muncher. And like, I like, Stop. yeah, and I remember like not knowing what they meant. It was like some boy from one of the boys' schools. And I remember talk, like turning around to mom, like she's in the kitchen. I was like, hey, mom. I know, like, the, 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 like the desktop, like the computer was always like in the living room oh, or whatever. Yes. And I like turned to mom. I was like, mom, what's a curry mancha? And she was like, oh, my daughter. That Tommy from Christchurch Grammar School or whatever he was. 
says, I'm coming for you. Yeah. But no, not having those diversity problems here, that's for sure. And over the last few years in LA, there's been a huge shift in casting on the casting front in regards to diversity. Gosh, I'm flowing into your topics really um, well. Yes. <laughs> I think we're just like levitating on the same level. Um, levitating. The entertainment industry is embracing non-traditional characters, storylines, artists, and remains significantly underrepresented in America's screens. What's your experience in diversity in Hollywood? Did race affect the opportunities and the work that came your way? I think race has brought me opportunities here. Okay. Yeah, I think I know there's still a ways to go, of course. Um, But I definitely think that America is very... I mean, I think Hollywood really is leading the way. I think that... um, Australia, from what I can understand from my friends that are there, is slowly kind of making a lot of improvements too. I mean, Australia's been behind in so many regards. Yeah. Like, Australia's been behind in so many ways in life. Oh, I remember when I um, when I was on Neighbours and I went to the UK and I was on BBC Asia and I did a few, like, press things. And I remember girls just freaking out when they met me because they were like, oh, my God, there's a Desi girl on Neighbours. And they were just so excited to see someone like them on that show. And I think Neighbours in particular has actually been really great at being inclusive mm-hmm. of, um, like, I mean, I had a brother character Character on Neighbours who was gay. So they had an Indian gay guy, and this is before, this is years ago, like that was three years ago. Very progressive. Very progressive, and I don't think Neighbours gets the kind of credit that it deserves, to be honest. Cause it doesn't. It's always like the second runner-up next to Home and Away. And I, I don't really know why. I mean, it still is so, it's so popular, It's and it was like nominated for a bunch of Logies, and I'm so happy for them, but I just think that like Thea and Jason, like Thea from casting, like Jason, who's the series producer and all the writers there I think that they have been very inclusive for a long time um, I think with the people that they cast aren't necessarily supermodels all the time and I think they have I think they've got like a part Asian guy and then now they still have like an Indian family from what I understand they had me on you know a couple of years ago and I had a brother that was also Indian and like no one was really doing that then it's very multicultural yeah like I went I think it was like three years in Australia where I think I had five auditions and three of them like in a year I had five auditions and three of them I had to cover my head for and like have some kind of Middle Eastern accent and I think that like those times are clearly changing and I'm so glad but I do think America right now because it has the capacity to be more progressive because there's just like more money more opportunity the industry is bigger and it's um, a cultural shift at the moment and social shift yes very much levitating and going towards well telling the stories that haven't been told it's like what we were talking about when we first started and you know there's even like this show Netflix on um, this show special on Netflix which is about a guy that's like part I think I I can't remember what he has I think he might be partly autistic or something and then his best friend is like uh, an Indian girl who I'm obsessed with her name is Panam Patel and she did showcase CBS showcase a couple of years before me and um, she's kind of like I guess like a, a a bigger girl 
girl and she's like yeah and like my character like rock swimwear and she's like I look fabulous and she does she looks incredible you know and she's like his best friend who's like so empowering and I just think shows like that that is like I mean she's nominated for an Emmy Emmy right now um that are just like showing people owning themselves it's like you don't need to put the Indian guy or the Indian girl as the one that's insecure or like the best friend who like doesn't know what to do it's like no like she plays a sassy gorgeous always made up always done up feeling flash um like fabulous woman and that's what we need to be seeing you know because I think that sometimes it's like oh wow like someone's in that cast and they're Indian but it's like to see an empowered Indian woman for me is amazing like what I want is to see an Indian superhero like I would like the um, DC universe to have some kind of Muslim superhero and I would like it to be me yeah but, <laughs> I would love it to be you I was about to say I can see it all happening <laughs> but either way I would just like love that to happen um, because I don't know I think entertainment like people don't realize how powerful the medium of film and television is you can get a message across to someone who doesn't want to listen to a podcast who doesn't want to listen to the news who doesn't want to listen to someone preaching to them or just even reading books either or reading a book or they're not taught in some, in some countries in some states especially in America they're not taught to be understanding they're not taught about other cultures they're taught that everything but what they are is the other and is wrong and so I think that through the medium of film and TV telling stories where everyone is different and everyone's relatable and everyone's like just going through life the way that you are but they're different to you is how we're going to create more understanding for different cultures in the next generations because everyone watches film and TV amen to that I've spent a lot of my time Netflix and Hulu no it's just consuming me at the moment but my boyfriend. do you think diversity will fall back into its own ways or it's just completely just taking off and it's gonna bring this energy with it into the future and just keep going from strength I hope strength. I yeah. hope it's just gonna keep going from strength the, the movement of like empowering women women being able to tell their true stories and the me too movement and I I don't think that after the breakthroughs that we've had you can go back I think we have so many people in powerful positions that are fighting and are not going to stop fighting and then you have people other like people in diversity like me and all my other people that we have like from diversity showcase where we're like we are the diversity comedy people for the network um of that year and it's like that's such an honor like i will never stop fighting for diversity in not only comedy but also in film and tv and if i ever have to go back to australia if i get a job in australia i will continuously fight and when i'm in a position where like one of my shows gets bought by a network which I mean I don't feel is truly that far off with what I'm dealing with at the moment like in the next six to eight months when I'm hiring I want to be empowering females I want to be hiring female DPs and female editors and um, diverse people and I, I want the cast to really represent what society looks like because that is how you make change in the real world and like that's why we create art it's like why you even why you do stand up why you do acting why you do it's literally just to like get a reaction these are the underlying reasons why that's all you do like mm -hmm. that's all you want you want people to laugh and then think about it later like when I do my stand up and I'm talking about like you know growing up Muslim but then being kind of like a sassy valley girl Bondi chick that I am I enjoy the fact that they're laughing then 
but what I enjoy more is that I know that they're going to go away and think about that at some point. Like they're going to think about my story that they've never really heard or had to understand it's before. Attach them. Yeah, attach and that them. that seed is what creates understanding and like love and change. peace. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And especially coming from someone like like you know like modernized South Asian women or whatever, it's like yeah, I can talk to you about growing up Muslim and um, I can talk to you about what it's like culturally to live in Malaysia and have a family where, you know, I, I do have a family member that did have an arranged marriage, but then I can also talk about my dating life and Raya and like my cute dress sense. And like, you know, you can be all these things. Like, and I think people just don't realize that, you know, it's not one or the other anymore. There's a lot of us that live in both worlds. That's incredible. And your story is just so colourful and has followed a series of separate paths which has inevitably led you here. What do you hope and wish for the future, excluding Ryan Gosling and <sighs> breakfast burritos? Oh, my God, breakfast burritos. I don't even know what I'd pick if it was, like, Ryan Gosling or breakfast burritos. Lucky I didn't ask that. Maybe Ryan Gosling could, like, make me a breakfast burrito, so Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of the industry or myself? For yourself, in yeah. terms of your own goals, where you envision yourself, um, especially being in, like, a non-traditional role in the creative mm -hmm. industry yeah. which lacks so so much structure and you're left to your own devices to really mm. hustle and create your own success well I'm really grateful for like aging at the moment um, I just feel like I finally am getting the hang of what exactly I want to do and the difference I want to make in the world and it's not about booking a job and filling the ego and feeling validated it's about telling stories you know and for me like my writing like I have a couple of shows one is more advanced than the others that as I said we're having meetings at the moment and it's like for me in the next six six to twelve months like I want a major network to be buying my show and I want to be show running with my writing partner potentially with a third showrunner that has done a lot of female driven dramedies before us to bring their experience and I want it to get past the pilot and I want it to get into a first season and I want to show how you the key to everything is telling your own story and following your own path and truly we've been working on this project for 14 months i only changed my character to become australian two months ago because i was so scared i was like no 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 everyone will want me to be american but then when you're trying to ride as an american i was like oh but i don't struggle with this problem and i do struggle with that problem and two months ago i changed my whole character because i was like you know what this is going to get bought because it's coming from truth. Lean into it. Yeah, truly. And I was like, this is it. So I want our show to get bought. I'm loving stand-up. I'm so excited to get booked at places like Laugh Factory and Comedy Store. Like, truly, I've only done stand-up 
the last couple of months and I didn't think that would happen so fast to be honest so I'm really grateful for that and I've been booked for oh goodness um, I've been booked for a bunch of other stand-up gigs which I'm super excited about like because um, like even one that I'm doing in Santa Monica in two months is like there's kids and stuff there so it's like it's just challenging you know as a comedian to formulate your sets for different things and, and especially because it's public speaking I'm pretty sure like it's, it's very personal terri- people are more terrified than public speaking than dying it's a oh real God. thing I'm sure um, so yeah sell my show keep up the stand up um, continue my new love of surfing hopefully be a little surf girl by the end of the year you might be in a barrel in the green room a barrel in a green room oh my god yes if you want to become a professional surfer do you mean in the green wave green room they call it i think it's like in layman terms the green room is like when you're in the oh i didn't know that i actually thought it was a room that the surfers were taken to (laughs) to congratulate them like you got a green wave (laughs) and they're like no the green room is like oh, when, when you're in the, in the wave that's scary water, so. I'm just kind of going towards my fears right now you and know? that's where I think being if you know it's fearful that's where like a lot of energy and creativity and like where you're going to get the most results yeah like from. that's why I started stand up yeah that's why I'm like even with Instagram like putting out more characters and comedy stuff like if I get this feeling of like oh I'm a little scared then I'm like oh I should probably do that you know and like surfing yes. is the same and um dating's gonna be next yeah I think in the next year someone's probably gonna walk into my life um he's gonna like be so fearful and you're like yes that's the one <laughs> yeah I'll be like I'm scared I'm scared. <laughs> you're so handsome and accomplished um but yeah that's what I want and just getting some stability you know and um you know once I sell my first show I straight up want to start a production company um there are some really good ones here that are promoting diversity Paul Feek has one who was the director of Bridesmaids he has a production company purely for diversity you know like that's amazing incredible <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of that um Reese Witherspoon's production company does a lot of like female driven stuff like there are some really amazing companies out there but you know once we've done our first season um on whichever platform or network picks it up I would like to have my own have my own company um because I think that will also create stability for later on when I want to have a family and things like that and I can be acting a different phase of your life yeah and I can be acting in some things and then I can also be writing and producing other things and they can all be like coming through the company and you know Margot Robbie is like a force to be reckoned with oh she's just on another level at the moment she's really in so inspiring and you know she's done the same thing and she has Lucky Chat Productions and um you know it's it's very very inspiring and I see myself kind of going along a similar route maybe more in the tv world than um than film who knows what a book but I mean do both yeah um but being like the diverse Australian girl that can also be funny it seems to be the thing and it makes me really happy and it keeps me busy and booked and um yeah 
I mean, you seem so happy and you're glowing and is it I, I'm really hot. Yeah, it's really hot, sweaty. Yeah. I think I've got like a sweat. Listen, I don't know if that's a happy glow, but no, I am also really happy because I think sometimes like trust is just, it feels so good. And you're speaking with so much conviction and passion and ambition that what you're describing does not seem out of this world. It doesn't seem out of touch. It doesn't... It, everything you're describing will happen. I really in believe that. Some stage you know? of your life at different times. And I tell you that too all the time. It's like whatever you want to do, truly, I believe, like it may not happen tomorrow, but I believe that if you fully believe it and then you put the steps in place as best you can to be like a well rounded person that's constantly challenging yourself and then also like the logistical steps of doing the thing, I really believe that it can happen. That's it. Yes. I'm so thankful that you're here with me sweating it out. This <laughs> episode of Take Note. Um, I really believe that all these things are going to happen to you just because you're so deserving of them and you're such a beautiful person inside and out. And um, I'm so happy that you got to tell your story and help other aspiring actors, women, no matter what stage of their life, um, find their voice and tell their story. Thank you. I hope somebody like gets something <laughs> from it, you know? I always find when I listen to Podcast, like at least one thing will really resonate with me and I'll be like huh I know it's just that one random line and it'll stick with you and it'll be it makes no sense in context or anything but you're just like yeah that's it yeah I also think like being an entertainment like even if you're not an entertainment everyone can relate to dealing with uncertainty and dealing with doubt but wanting so much out of their life and um, I think just the entertainment industry sometimes can really bring that to the forefront it definitely hides it and makes you like talk about it and deal with it more than you would in in other industries so I think even if it's even if you're not in the entertainment industry it's like I think everyone can kind of relate to the feelings and it's amazing because I didn't even know some of these aspects to acting in the industry and what pilot season is and like your audition process and even production companies and mm. so it's just so great to have access to your wealth of knowledge and hopefully inspire people that are interested in doing what you're doing mm. or just curious about it. They didn't even know that this was a possibility because the acting world could seem so glamorous and isolated and um, on a different level that you don't even know how to relate to it. You just think it's in magazines and movies and that's it. So I think what um, after today's conversation, it's really grounding um, acting as a career. Yeah. I mean, it is, acting is the most grounding thing, you know? Like, I, I don't know a lot of actors that aren't grounded because if you're really, if you're an actor, <laughs> you, you have to be. Like, yeah. you can't do your work from a place of not being grounded. You can't put your feet in someone else's shoes without that. And I think that sometimes I see some really young people getting success and I'm like, okay, like, I really hope that they stay grounded because otherwise they're just going to be doing really bad work. Mm -hmm. And then the work will fizzle out by the time they're 21, you know? Yes. Um, but there are some people that are just ready earlier than others and, and you really can't, you cannot compare. You know, I see some people at the moment that are really, like, blowing up and they're in their late 30s. And it's like, well, it's up to you how much you want to 
how long you want to wait for that. But in the meantime, it's like you have to keep yourself really busy. Busy and engaged and active. Yeah, I don't think hanging out at the club and complaining with other Australians, like how hard it is. is and vaping at the same time. Yeah, no, I don't vape. I like just none of that. You know, I just think if you're in it, you're in it to win it. And that's my attitude. And the day that I wake up and I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to take my butt back to Bondi. I'm going to find me a Zaudi. I'm going to have babies and I'll open a yoga studio and then probably teach my, like, you know, um, like mental health drama and stuff like that out of it. But I just can't. This is all I want. Amazing. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And, um... I'll see you very soon. I'll see you for dinner right now. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. Love you too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Take Note. I hope you feel like you've heard something to take away that can add or help bring clarity to your own life. I truly believe that by being vulnerable and sharing our own stories, we can all learn from one another. Please like this episode if you enjoyed it and subscribe so you don't miss out on the next inspiring person I sit down with to take note.